We are, we are doing a series called David in 3D, which is, is covering the life of a guy who actually the, the Bible talks more about David than it does about any other single person besides Jesus. Um, there's a lot involved in the, in the discussions on, on David, um, and it's kind of the raw, unedited version. A lot of things he did really well, um, which we'll talk about today. A lot of things he didn't do right. He didn't make a lot of decisions. So I think David in 3D kind of encapsulates the entire scope of who David was and what we can learn from him. You know, it says in the New Testament that the things of the Old Testament are put in there so that we can learn from them. And so um, today we want to learn from David uh, how to experience healing and wholeness after being betrayed. Uh, Pretty much this, the whole story of David and Saul is that Saul is out to get him. And um, last week, I only got through point one of three. Um, and and I, I talked about what causes people to betray others. Um, what are some of the reasons that, that, we, that we as human beings betray other people? What are some of the reasons? Anybody remember? Anybody take notes? Anybody just think that way? Don't put... Don't, don't put the, don't let them cheat. Last, last service, they all acted like they were really smart. It's because the answers were behind me. <laughs> so that's that first service. So <laughs> anybody remember what, what's a reason that, that people betray others? Anybody? Jealousy. Jealousy. Yes. Envy. People will betray other people because of envy. It's a big deal. What are, what's another reason? I'm sorry? Fear, fear and insecurity. Yep, all those things. Um, last week, I kind of, I kind of bunched all these together. But I think so. The first one is jealousy. The second one is fear and insecurity. I think, I think people tend to because of their own fear and their own issues of being insecure. They, they want to betray someone else before that person has a chance to reject them. Um, so I think that's another motivating. A third one. What's another, uh, another thing you can think of? Why would someone betray another person? Because they're offended. Or there's been a misunderstanding. Okay? So offense, misunderstanding. And what's the fourth reason? Wow. Can't get good help around here. <laughs> no, thank you guys. Thank you. Can you guys thank the tech team, all of them back there. <laughs> Just messing with you. Spiritual dynamics. Do not ever underestimate the power of spirits. There are evil spirits. Not just in other countries. They are actually in America. Spirits of division, spirits of confusion, spirits of all kinds of offense and all of that. Um, so, but anyway, if you want to hear the, the beginning part of the message that I'm going to finish today, you could always go to our website. It's www.theadventure.church. And we always post the podcast the same day, and then usually we add the videos later on in the week. But if you want to listen to the beginning of this message. But the point that I really want to bring home today, the main point that goes through this whole message, so if you want to fall asleep, you can fall asleep after I say this, um, is that no matter what the other person does, we are always called to honor. We are always called to honor. 
And so I'm going to discuss that today. Now you can go to sleep. Um, I wanted to say, I, I, I'm not able to catch you all up on the history. We, we did 1 Samuel 19 last week. But as I was reading through this again, this reads like a really epic movie. I mean, the plot line is just so powerful and it's so, it's like a nail biter. So if you, if you um, don't know what to read this week, read through 1 Samuel 19 through 23. And that kind of sets us up for the passage that we have today, um, <clears throat> which starts in 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 1. Um, essentially, Saul, Saul just got it in his mind that somehow David was trying to usurp his authority, which wasn't the case at all. But you know, sometimes... The fear, the insecurity, the jealousy causes paranoia. And that's really what happened to Saul. He was super paranoid that David was trying to dethrone him. Um, so First Samuel 24, verse 1. This is kind of a long section, but uh, I think it's important to get the context. So it says, after Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose, get this, 3,000 elite troops from all of Israel to go and search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. Can you even imagine? 3,000 elite troops. I mean, I don't even know what was in a troop, but even if it was 10, think about how many people that is. That's a lot. Talk about paranoid. Um, so I, I'm... I didn't remember where I put the pictures, but it says here, at the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave, now get this, to relieve himself. Okay? But as that happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. So think about this. Now this is, this is significant. Okay, these are the, the mountains the hills in En Gedi. I actually was there four years ago, and it's, it was so hot. It was unbelievably hot. But you see, there are caves all along there, and that's just an example of two of them. But there are hundreds of them. And the chances of David happening to be hiding in this one particular cave where Saul goes into relieve himself, which is like the most vulnerable thing, right? It's the most human thing. And that would have been David's chance to snuff him out. He's totally vulnerable. Don't try to picture this in your mind, but, it, but imagine, you know, I mean, they didn't have toilets. Although one interesting thing, I, how many, has anybody else ever been to Israel? They have like what are like these massive public toilets, like where they used to go to socialize. For real. It's like, okay, well, their view of relieving themselves is different. But anyway, so it says Saul went to relieve himself. As it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now's your chance, David's men said. You can take him out. He's totally unaware. He's he's defecating. I mean, he's vulnerable. And, it's, and they, they say, this is God. God has set this up for you. And so David crept forward with his sword. Imagine this scene, okay? Here's Saul 
I'm David. <laughs> Don't imagine me. So, so he goes, takes a sword, cuts off a little piece of it. Crepboard cut off a piece. That's how close he was. That is how close he was to Saul. But then David's conscience began to bother him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. I bet those guys were so disappointed. They're like, he sent 30, or I mean 3,000 elite troops out to get us, and you're not even going to kill this guy? Like, he clearly has a, a vendetta against you, David. Come on, what are you thinking? And David says, I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed, for the Lord himself has chosen him. I just want to give you a little aside on this particular passage. You know, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there are power-hungry spiritual leaders out there, and they will use this passage to say, you shouldn't lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Okay? Has anybody ever heard that? Don't touch the Lord's anointed, which is basically their way of saying, don't ever try to correct me. Don't come near me. I'm above you. And that is all just, uh, it's, that is out of context. That's not what this passage is talking about. It's not talking about pastors or spiritual leaders. Did you know that the, 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 the calling of pastor is no different than other callings? It's just a different calling. It's just another calling. Okay, so I just wanted to point that out. So it's not, this doesn't mean, oh, don't touch the Lord's anointing. I mean, our whole point here today is honor. So, of course, we want to honor those to whom honor is due, but don't take that out of context. Anyway, so David restrains his men, did not let them kill Saul. So then after Saul left the cave, David came out. Get this. I'm thinking, why, David? You, ha- you were hiding. He didn't know you were there. It says, but he came out and he shouted, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. He bowed down before this guy who wanted nothing more than to snuff him out. And David humbled himself and bowed before him. Then he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. He's saying the Lord, the Lord set this whole thing up and I didn't kill you. I could have killed you. He says, look, I have a piece of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This should prove to you I'm not even trying to harm you. And that I have never sinned against you, even though you have been hunting me to kill me. And I love this verse. This is so humble. David says, may the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you're trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. That's the whole point. It's like, I trust God enough to release this into his hands but I'm not going to be guilty of sinning against you. That's basically what David is saying. And it says, as the old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds. So you can be sure I will never harm you. Who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? 
Should he spend his time chasing one who is as worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate and he will rescue me from your power. When David had finished speaking, Saul called back and said, oh, I wanted to say something earlier on. It says, when David bowed down to him, it said, he says, oh, wait, maybe it's forward. Oh, I'm sorry, I meant the wrong passage. But it says here, he goes, Saul called and he said, is that you, my son, David? Because earlier on, David had referred to him as his father, which is like this intimate term of endearment. And yet, Saul is the guy that's, that's got a hit out on him. And he says, and then he says, is that really you, my son, David? And Saul began to cry. The full weight of what he had done to David was starting to come down on him. And Saul said to David, you are a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today. For when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you've showed me today. And it was at this point that Saul realized that, that David was going to become the king. And this is the, kind of the breaking point for Saul. So the whole point of this is that David continued to honor Saul as the king, regardless of what Saul did to him. And we, too are called to honor others even when they don't treat us in an honorable way. And now what I am not saying, please hear this, I'm not saying that if you're in an abusive relationship, you need to stay in the relationship. That is not really honor, okay? And we'll talk about that a little bit later too. Um, I know know this is a heavy message, but you know the, the fact is that if you've ever had interpersonal relationships, you've probably been betrayed, Chances are, that is the human condition. So the effects, what are the effects of betrayal? Why is betrayal so painful? Why is that? Why, some reasons, what do you guys think? What, what makes betrayal so painful? Rejection. It's a form of rejection, yet causes you to not trust people that you want to trust. It hurts, it, hurts. <laughs> it does. It's usually unexpected, right? I mean, how often do you walk around going, man, I'm totally hanging out with this person that is going to absolutely betray me, <laughs> right? That does not make any sense. It's usually unexpected, and it, it almost always comes from th- those closest to us, right? Your spouse commits adultery, or your children reject the faith or reject you. Or you have a coworker who undermines you and takes the promotion even though you were the one who came up with the idea. Or authority figures who have lied to you. Or you thought were safe and it turns out they weren't safe and they weren't honest with you. So some of the effects or the emotions that are attached to betrayal... Wait, before I go to that, I want to just say this too. Last Sunday after first service, a a man came up to me after I gave this message and he said, as you were talking, I realized I'm a Saul. 
Isn't that insightful? He said, I, I realized I'm a Saul. So I don't know which end of the spectrum you're, you're on, but like I told you, we prayed over all these chairs, so I know the Lord's going to be speaking to you at one end of the spectrum or the other. My assumption is for most of us, we, we feel more like David. But some of the effects that, that can really hinder us spiritually and emotionally are bitterness, number one. And we talked last week, and I, would, I just want to repeat this again. We talked about not rehearsing the wrong that someone does to you. You know, um, Pete, who plays guitar, I've seen him when he's home. He, he will sit there and play those same scales over and over and over and over and over and over and over so that it becomes second nature, so that when he goes to play, it just comes out naturally. He doesn't even have to think about it because he has the muscle memory. When I was in college, I, I studied music. I studied piano, and I would sit and rehearse for hours and hours and hours building muscle memory so that when I went to play it, it would just come out naturally where you don't even have to think about it. Some of us do that with sins that people have committed against us. We just go over it and over it and over it. We obsess over it. We rework it in our mind. We go over that conversation or that situation, and it becomes part of us. And the Bible says so clearly, it says in Hebrews 12, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And get this, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. It's saying, beware of this. Watch out for this. This is a really natural thing to happen. Because the very essence of bitterness is usually based in, in us being mistreated or at a very minimum misunderstanding the treatment of someone else, right? So it's, it's saying, beware of this. And also be really careful that you don't rewrite the history to completely justify yourself and accuse the other person, because sometimes we have a role to play in it as well. You know, the door swings both ways, as they say. Sometimes part of it's our fault, and you have to be willing to take the responsibility for that. The other thing to be aware of in order to not become bitter is don't demonize that other person just to vindicate yourself. I, I, realized even this morning, I talked last week about going through a season of some extreme betrayal and some really deep, deep wounding. And um, you know, the way that you can really tell when you've forgiven someone is when you can really pray for real that God would bless them. That's how you know when you're on the other side of it. But even this morning, as I was backing out of my garage, it was like the Holy Spirit pointed out to me, some people that I had demonized in my own hurt. And, and the Lord was just saying, you need to forgive them. You need to release them. You need to bless them. You want to know who, the, who they were? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> okay, so one of the effects is bitterness. What, the second effect is sorrow. You have to kind of grieve that relationship. It's sad. 
Psalm 55, 12 says, it's not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. It's an adversary. Or it is not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from him. But it's you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. And within God's house, we used to walk in the throng. This is saying, this, it wouldn't bother me so much if it was just some person. But this is like my bestie, you know? This is the one that I've shared my life with or my, my food or my heart. You know, this is somebody that's meant something to me. That's what's so sad about betrayal is because you're thinking in your mind that this relationship is probably going to continue for the rest of your life. But it's like a death. So you have to go through that sorrow. You have to go through a grieving process. I read a quote. It says, a true friend will stab you in the front. (laughs) You know, they say your enemies stab you in the back. But a real friend, a true friend will come to you and they will tell you the truth. If you've hurt them or offended them, a true friend. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, more to be multiplied than the kisses of an enemy. And I just want to give you a little life lesson, a little interpersonal uh, relationship hint here. If you're sensing that there's something with another person, you feel that maybe their heart's closed to you or there's like a little bit of a wall, just ask them. And you can ask them in a non-threatening way. Just say, hey, I'm sensing something. Have I hurt you? Or have I offended you? Or, or is, is there something I need to ask for forgiveness for? It just makes things so much easier. You know, rather than just stepping around that proverbial elephant in the living room, you know, just go to the person and say, hey, what is it that I'm feeling? And first of all, if there's nothing, then they'll be able to go, well, I'm not really sure. I don't think there's anything Or if there is something, then they'll tell you and then you can reconcile. Does that make sense? It's it's really not that hard to do. It's a little little scary because you kind of open yourself up. You make yourself vulnerable. But I'm telling you, so many relationships could be healed just by that simple act of just saying, hey, is there something between us? Okay? So maybe you're thinking of somebody right now that you need to go to and ask that. I just encourage you to do that. Don't let the weird thing linger. Um, So bitterness, sorrow, another effect of betrayal is a lack of trust. You start to become paranoid. You You start to wonder about all relationships, essentially. And then you start to wonder about the history with that person. Like, well, how long were they like that? Or did this just kind of happen? Or, you know, what's the history? But... Remember that there is reaping and sowing. As in the case of David and Saul, Saul, he, he, everything started coming down on him. He started having to come to terms with the fact that he blew it big time. And the Bible says, it's vengeance is mine, it is mine to repay. And Saul, a lot of times Saul was acting like he was for David. He was a total phony. He was acting like, yeah, David, you're so good. Here's my daughter. You can marry her. And the whole time he's plotting to kill the guy. Crazy. Um, David wrote this particular psalm when he was in that cave. 
Psalm 142, probably not right at that point, but thinking back on that point, he says, I cry out, God, I call out, you're my last chance, my only hope for life. Listen, please listen, I have never been this low. Rescue me from those who are hunting me down. I am no match for them. Get me out of this dungeon so I can thank you in public. Your people will form a circle around me and you'll bring me showers of blessing. See, David didn't put his hope in his ability to get even with Saul or to go after him or to tell him off. He put his hope in the Lord. David put his hope in the Lord and you see how the Lord's faithfulness covered David and protected David. So the fourth effect is division. You know, if you're driving down the road and somebody flips you off or whatever, it's, I mean, ow, it, it stings a little bit. Actually, one time I did cry. I was pregnant though, so. I was going the speed limit and someone flipped me off. This is in the Bay Area in California, so. But I mean, it stings for a minute, but it's not like it's going to ruin your whole week, right? But when it's a true friend or a coworker, or an authority figure, or your own family, or your own spouse. That hurts. That hurts for a long time. Think about Judas, the other story of betrayal. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. He had to come that close to him. And Jesus turns to him, he's like, Judas, you'd betray me with a kiss. Not because Jesus was surprised by it, but because Jesus is like, really? With a kiss. Matthew 10, 16 tells us, be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. Some people get a little insulted by this. They're like, wait, you're comparing me to a snake? Wasn't... Wasn't Satan a snake, you know? But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about shrewd as in wise and prudent and acting in a way that's according to what is right, okay? Shrewd means to just be really wise in the way that you behave, but it also says be as harmless as doves, which means don't have any evil intentions. Don't think about how you're going to get that person back. Don't think about how you're going to mess them up. It's saying, be as shrewd as snakes or as wise and as harmless as doves or as innocent as doves. But I want to say this. Hear me now. Not all of your relationships are supposed to be continued. Okay? If you're in a relationship that's toxic or abusive or causes you to stumble, which means causes you to sin or do things that you normally wouldn't do because of your character, you don't necessarily need to continue in those relationships. In other words, what I'm saying is that you can still honor someone and not continue to walk with them, okay? You have to honor God first. So if there's somebody in your life that's causing you to fall away from God or to do things that you normally would not do, it's okay to cut off that relationship. But do it honoring God first and honoring the other person. It's possible to do that. And make sure that it's not bitterness that's causing you to divide or to separate from that relationship. 
Bitterness is not ever supposed to be the reason to separate from people. It's not supposed to ever be the reason to leave a church either or to leave a marriage or to leave your family or to leave your friends. Make sure bitterness isn't the motivating factor and don't ever, ever, ever burn bridges because you never know. You might have a Saul situation. As you continue to honor, you continue to do what's right. You continue to do what glorifies God and what honors the other person, even if they're not honorable, because Saul was certainly not honorable in any way, shape, or form. And yet, David continued to honor him. So you never know. If you burn that bridge, though, it's over. There's no reconciliation that can happen. So the question is, can there be healing after betrayal? Can there be? We're going to talk about the four areas where you can have healing. First of all, your heart. Jesus talked about loving him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Your heart has to be healed first and foremost, I think, in a betrayal. Your heart is, your, your heart is a, like a gaping wound. Your emotions are out there. And the only way that your heart can be healed is through forgiveness. I know I talk about forgiveness all the time, but you know why I talk about forgiveness all the time? Anybody have a guess? Because we're not very good at it. I'm not insulting you. I'm just saying it's hard to forgive. Isn't it? Can we agree on that? No? Are you guys awake? Thank you. It's hard to forgive, isn't it? Because there's that sense of justice in us. I'm going to pay them back. I'm going to make them pay. Right? That's not the heart of God. If you understand that there is a purpose in your life, that everything you're going through, God will use for his glory. That's what the Bible says. He will cause all things to work together for good for those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. Even if you have been raped or molested, or cheated on, or abused, or taken advantage of in any way, or ripped off financially, any of these things. When we look at it, we think, that's, that's it, it's devastation. There can be no hope but God. But God. He is over all of it. And he can reconcile it. And he can still take whatever that thing is or that situation. And he can still be glorified as you surrender to him. As you give yourself to him. And as you put your hope and your trust in him. And he will be glorified in your life. If you, like David, put your trust in him. Don't put your trust in the other people. Don't even put your trust in yourself. Put your hope in the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord. The second thing. The second area where we need to be healed is our soul. Just that, just our spirit and our soul that's so broken because of the betrayal. You know, um, my husband passed away unexpectedly two and a half years ago. And um, last week I talked a little bit about uh, people feeling betrayed by God, being angry at God, feeling like God has betrayed them. And... um, You know, I've had a lot of people ask me that. Do you feel like God betrayed you when he didn't heal Eric? You know? And and I can honestly say, it's like, where else can I go? 
He has the words of eternal life. And, and I just, this became my prayer, Psalm 25, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O oh my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you will be put to shame. So I can say your soul can be healed as you are intimate with the Lord, as you open your heart up and your mind and your Bible. God can be your all in all. He can heal that. He can heal that feeling of betrayal by anyone. The third thing that needs to be healed is your mind. And, you know, I've learned a lot. I've, I've really been studying this a lot, the whole psychology of what happens to us emotionally when we're betrayed or, or when something traumatic happens to us, because usually betrayal is traumatic. I mean, you might go through some post-traumatic stress. That is a real thing. That is a, a, a chemical thing that can be triggered at any moment and Typically, you don't really even know why, what causes it. But your mind, again, we are called to think on good things, whatever is right and noble and pure and true and excellent and praiseworthy. Think on these things. Don't, again, don't rehearse the wrong over and over and over in your mind. You know, I had somebody confess after first service that they realized that they just, they kept reliving this situation and it was just causing them to be so bound by it and they just talked about it constantly. Don't do that. Give it to the Lord. And if necessary, if you can't navigate through it, get some professional help. It's okay. That's not a sign of weakness. I mean, if we, if we have a health issue, we go to a, a medical doctor. Sometimes when you have an emotional issue, and we've been talking about this quite a bit this last month, with suicide, depression, sometimes you need someone else to walk you through it, and sometimes you need a professional to help you. Do not be ashamed to do that. And we would be happy to either walk with you through it or find you somebody that can walk with you through some of your traumatic or, or really painful, debilitating emotions. But it starts with your mind. It starts with your mind. And then the last thing that can be healed is your strength or your actions, how you walk. You know, betrayal says more about the other person than it does about us, but our response to it speaks about what our character is and who we are. And that's why as we continue to surrender it to the Lord, give it to the Lord, and just say, Lord, I I trust that you're going to be glorified in my life. Then he will meet you in your point of need. I promise. So how do we continue to honor those who betray us? Is it possible? Is it possible to honor people who betray us? Do this. (laughs) The Bible says we should honor everyone. We should consider others better than ourselves. Again, I'm not saying put yourself in an abusive situation if that's what's going on. But to honor means to to put weight into someone's value, into their worth, and to see them through the eyes of God because every single person, no matter what, was created in the image of God and they are precious to him. And if you really take that into account, your actions toward those other people can be honoring even when they're not honorable, like Saul, like King Saul, you can still stand right before God. It says um, 
in Romans 12, 17. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do what? Do, say it again. Do what? All you can? Ah, oh, that's asking a lot, God. Come on. Right? Isn't that what we think? We're like, do all I can to live in peace? Yes, all. That means, again, if there's that wall between you and somebody else, or you know there's somebody at work that can't stand you for whatever reason, maybe it's because you're a jerk. I don't know. (laughs) May God judge between you and them. But you know what I mean? It's like, if that's the case, humble yourself. Bow before them like David did before Saul. Humble yourself and go, you know what? I know I've been a jerk to you at work. I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? You would be amazed at how much better the atmosphere will be in the office or in your home to your kids, to your spouse, to your parents, or to your neighbors. It's amazing what God can do. And it says, do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. And I know that there are those of you and you've been abused or raped or molested or taken advantage of or whatever it is. And you're thinking, I want to take them out. You want to take revenge But it's saying here, leave room for God to do that. He is just. God is just. They're not going to get away with it. If that's what you're thinking, they will stand before God and give an answer. Um, As we close, I want to just share a story with you. Uh, A man named Louis Zamperini. I don't know if any of you have heard of him. Um, There was a movie written about him recently that was directed by Angelina Jolie um, called Unbroken. And it's the story of Louis Zamperini, who was a troublemaker as a kid. He was always, you know, kind of just towing the line on everything. He was always in trouble. And then they discovered that he had this amazing gift of running. And he ended up becoming this really, really um, successful Olympian. He broke a lot of world records. I think he's the first one to break the four-minute mile. I'm not sure. Any runners verify that? I don't know. Google it for me, but um, not right now. <laughs> but um, Louis, Louis ended up, he joined the military, and his aircraft crashed in the Pacific Ocean, and he and another guy ended up floating for 47 days on the ocean. And they ended up floating for 2,000 miles And they were rescued by these Japanese captors who ended up torturing him, and particularly one named the Bird. Um, What was his name again? His name was Matsuhiro Watanabe. He was called the Bird. And he hated Louis Zamperini, and he was going to make Louis Zamperini break. He was going to do whatever he could. That's where the title of the movie came, Unbroken. Um, He wanted to make an example of him because he was really optimistic. He was always really positive. And um, and so for two years, he tried to break him. He tried to break his spirit, both verbally and with extreme, extreme physical cruelty. It says on Louis Zamperini's website, it says, Louis outlasted the guard. And then when the war ended, 
Louis returned to Torrance, California to a hero's welcome. He partied with celebrities and married a debutante, but his life was spinning out of control due to a lack of direction and alcoholism. It was a chance meeting with a young evangelist, Billy Graham, that changed Louis's life for good. Louis became born again, and he decided to become a missionary to Japan preaching the gospel of forgiveness to the very guards who had tormented him during the war. Now imagine this. Imagine going back to those same people that tormented you to preach the message of forgiveness. It says Zamperini wrote to Watanabe and he wrote a letter telling him he forgave him. He never heard back But this is what Louis Zamperini says. I think the hardest thing in life is to forgive. Hate is self-destructive. If you hate somebody, you're not hurting the person you hate. You're hurting yourself. It is a healing, actually. It's a real healing. Forgiveness. And again, you know, Louis was a prisoner of war. And yet, This man had it out for him. And yet Louis treated him with honor. Despite the fact this man was very dishonorable. And again, betrayal says more about the other person than it does about you. But how you respond to it says what your character really is. And what we're called to is lives of honor. First and foremost, we honor God in whatever we do. But then we honor other people, always. You heard of a guy named Bob Goff? He says, love everybody, always. Good lesson to live by, huh? And our mission here at The Adventure is to love God, to honor God, and to love people. To honor people. So my assumption is that as I've been talking today, you've had scenarios going through your mind do this if you're with me, or not like you're crazy. I'm not calling you crazy. (laughs) You've had scenarios going through your mind. You've had pictures of people. You've had names going through your mind. Today is the day you can be set free from the chains of bitterness that that have held you back, from the chains of the sorrow and the pain and the paranoia, um, and even the spiritual torment that comes through being betrayed. All of us have been betrayed. And if you haven't yet, you will be, eventually. And so today, um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. We're going to sing a song about surrendering. And as we sing this song, I just want to encourage you to take those faces and those scenarios, and those names, and present them to the Lord. Lay it at the foot of the cross. And in the same way that you've been forgiven, remember remember in Hebrews where it says, the, the passage I read earlier, it says, see to it no one misses the grace of God. I want to see to it that you don't miss the grace of God. And guys, I don't stand up here to do a speech My sole motivation is 
is to provide an opportunity for you to have an encounter with the living God. With the one who, who of, of him it is said, he is the lover of your soul. He is our savior. Jesus Christ is our savior and our healer and our baptizer in the Holy Spirit and he is coming back. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He went to the cross and paid the price for us. They talk about the great exchange where God became flesh. He became a human being. And it says of him that he who knew no sin became sin for us. And that because he became sin for us, he bore the penalty for our sins on the cross. And because of that, he gave us his nature. So that when, when God looks at us, he sees us as perfect. Not because he he's, doesn't really know or he's confused about things, but because he sees us through the eyes of his son, who is perfect. And so today, can we release other people? Can we forgive other people in the same way we have been forgiven? Can you stand up and as we sing this song, will you be thinking about those people and releasing them to the Lord? Let the Lord take it. Just take the burden from you. You can walk out of here free today. I had somebody tell me last week, they go, you know what? I'm too old to try to remember everything everybody did to me. I'm just gonna release them. I'm gonna forgive them. Can you guys forgive people today? No matter what they've done, can you honor, honor people as we sing this song? Just do some business with the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit come in and speak.